millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and uh, welcome to Roller Roost Podcast. I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me this week is Sebastian Stafford Bloor. How are you, the Prince of Bath? I'm okay, Warden of the North. How are you, mate? Brilliant. That sounds um, a bit creepy, like we have pet names for each other. Yeah. I mean, our, our real pet names for each other are much more explicit than Yeah, we that, would never we say them when we were recording. No, of course not. Exactly. Honey yeah. bear. <laughs> <laughs> Quite um, right, Buttercup. <laughs> but, um... Unfortunately, Jack's not here. He's he's not very well. Um, from what we understand, from we, his... we don't want to understand, and nor did the audience, mate. We no, come from his quite more about that. From his quite frankly graphic text, he's he's not feeling well at all. So we do wish him the best in getting better. Because um, it's not nice to see a a fallen soldier. But we'll crack on just the two of us. Um, full exposure. We we have just recorded a segment with Moose Rockwonga for forty forty minutes of really good content. I must say. Um, between me, you, and and Seb, uh, me, you, and Musa, even Seb, and um, the file seems to be questionable in in what it contains at the moment. It may well contain nothing. It may well contain forty minutes of of absolute gold. Um, so we'll find out whether or not that's actually available or not later on. Because um, at the moment, it, it seems as if that may be lost forever uh, due to no fault other than. When I press record, it it doesn't appear to have recorded anything. We but agreed it was God, mate. It was okay. It was all right. Yeah, it's yeah, for for explanation. We come up for that. An so. act of God. An, an act, act of, of God. God has befallen us, um, which is ironic for for three men I believe that don't actually believe in God. I'm, no, we do I think. No. So um, yeah, I think he's had his he's he's smitten us down. Not, it's not smitten. He's what's the smiting? S- is it smiting? Yeah, yeah he's, he's so. been he's, he's been smiting. Us. Yeah, yeah. The, I, but I, uh, I don't feel entirely comfortable with it because that's the first time it's happened to Roald the Roost that it's, it's broken on us, and I do feel slightly guilty. That I, I, your I, voice, you've been shaken by this. Yeah, I, I, uh, I bully Seb on a weekly basis. I'm not going to lie to you and, and laugh at him and tell him that he needs to go on one of those OAP uh, vocational computer courses to learn what to do with Garage Band and whatnot. And the fact that it's my technical fault that has broken the podcast. Um, does make me feel quite bad inside, but we'll power on. We're gonna, we've got a, a plenty of things to talk about. We've got a couple of questions in our email inbox. We've got stadium issues and, and pre-season games still to talk about. One, to, one tomorrow that hasn't even been played yet that we've got to take into account um, that I'm sure we'll get into. But at some point in the show, you will either hear or you won't hear that interview, depending on whether or not God has done his full job or not of of destroying our interview. But we'll play Manchester United at another point this season, and if not, Musa will be back on. So 
never fear. And apologies to him too, because he gives us a lot of his time for a busy man, and uh, God has uh, has ruined that for us. Um, but enough of enough of that. Um, you, Seb, we've just you, you fitted quite nicely into Jack's role here, because Jack usually it's it's a nice way to start it with a little bit of a meltdown. I'm not mel- This is you, you, see. This you, is you, your voice cracking. You're not quite. You know, I need to need you at 100, percent mate. And you're at about 85 see, at the moment. See, I'm normally the ice cold one on the show, who's just you know happily getting on with things, happily confident in his own ability to do things and perform. And the fact that I've I've failed off the bat has uh, has shaken me. The one thing I dislike the most in in my uh, professional endeavours is feeling as if I've done something in- inadequately. So the fact that it is has happened to us early doors has, has shaken me. Because now for the rest of this show and the fact that I've got to edit it afterwards, I'm going to be doubting myself and you know blundering around my keyboard and deleting things and you know being a bit you know slapstick about it. But we'll crack on. We'll see what's happening. Um, talking about slapstick and and, and failure, we've just lost two 0 to Real Madrid, which I'm, I'm not sure is a is a failure given the last time we played them, or one of the last times we played them, it was 4-0. Um, but that was actually competitive. But we, we've both managed to watch the, the lion's share of that match. Yeah. Um, so given that it's pre-season, we've got another one tomorrow. So what have you, you made of that one? Because um, I think I, I watched the, you've watched more of this game than I have, and I watch more of the uh, the MLS um, yeah, All-Star game. Uh, so if you, if you we, want to tell us what you think. We're going to segue into the general point where we all get angry about the principle of this later. Yeah, I think we go. What I'm thinking is, you can do Real Madrid. I'll do MLS All Stars, and then we'll just no, complain we'll about, the, about the, yeah the general yeah, principle that. of yeah, of travelling this closer. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what um, did you make of it? It was fine. It was it was what I expected in that you know we were about three quarters pace. We played some quite neat football. Created some good chances in the first half. Uh, Eric Lamella probably should have scored in the first ten minutes. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't have any takeaway details beyond uh, Deli Ali's performance. I thought he was great. Um, I'm not going to say that um, 70 minutes or however long he played tonight um, equates to regular Premier League time yet. Because I, 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 I think he's, he's a little slender for my liking. I mean, he's, he's got every um, he's got every touch and you know technical ability you could probably want in a midfielder. He looks like a good athlete as well. He was getting up and down and, and, and contributed to the high press really nicely. Um, but he does look a little frail, but he, he looks like a, a, a really good player in the making. So that's... Um, he he not Mike Luka Modric, he so he's going to win the game on his own for us on the weekend, isn't he? he well, he sent, us, he sent Spurs Twitter into a frenzy after that, which was quite nice. But the rest of it, I mean, I suppose if you really wanted to, you could ask where um, Kevin Wimmer and Toby Alderweireld were for the first goal when, when Danny Rose found himself alone on the penalty spot contesting for a header, which is a bit weird. Um, you could probably voice some concern over how it is that Michelle Vaughan let in that second goal um, and worry a little bit on, about Saturday, given that Lloris is not going to be fit. He's He's been, <laughs> this sounds very strange, but he has been Snapchatted in full training Um so I've I've seen that the the club official account has released some um, videos of him going down for saves and and getting up to speed with actually having things pinged at him, which up until now he's just been doing fitness and cardio work and fulfilling his roles as club captain. So he may well still have time to um, well what I, what I'll say to actually step up if that if it's a it's a problem with his wrist. So it's probably a situation where. If there's any doubt, the club are not going to take a risk because if he re-injures it, I mean, what's the point? I mean, it's a game that we're it's kind of a low percentage match for us anyway, so 
um, you know, get him fit for the rest of the season. I mean, obviously, you'd want Hugo Lloris almost at any cost, but not if it's going to cause another injury in another 12 weeks on the shelf, I don't think. Um, yeah. You, but, um, you made a point about Vom's fault for the second goal. I actually thought for the first goal, given that it was fluttered in and it was within a couple of strides from the keeper. I do think, yeah, yeah, not necessarily get it, but he contests for it. He he puts the striker off a bit more. He doesn't stay on his line and wait for it to come. Whereas Vom was slightly less proactive than than Lloris tends to be in that sort of situation. Yeah, I agree. I think Lloris is, um, it's one of, one of his least talked about attributes, actually. He's, he's very aggressive in those kind of situations. And, you know, we usually associate that with you know coming off his line and and, and um, making saves one on one or you know, clearing long balls, but he um he will come a really long way from his line to not catch but at least punch and as you say contest a contest across. And I think he probably does. I, I also I, Michelle Vaughan is not a particularly big goalkeeper. I mean I know Hugo Lloris isn't a, a sort of a seven foot giant, but Vaughan. Vaughan seems much more comfortable staying on his line and reacting to things. He's not a very proactive goalkeeper. Um, so it's a kind of habitual difference as well, rather than a, an ability-based problem. Um, as I, 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 it's, it's worth saying, though, that Michel Vaughan made, made two excellent saves in the first half. Um, and he's just he is that kind of goalkeeper. He will make saves and he will make errors, and the ratios will be slightly less favourable to favourable than they are with Lloris. Um, but... This is the problem, and this feeds into what we're about to say. You know, beyond a little bit of a trundle around the Lions Arena and a bit of fitness, it just, you know, it was nice to see the players playing again, nice to see them play against famous opposition, but I don't, I didn't really see huge benefit in it. Yeah, well, this is a part I made on the the now famous lost interview. Is that the first half of the uh, the preseason seemed as though it was tailor made and organised and and in the image of Pochettino, it was behind closed doors, no pressure from fans, no input from anyone else. Nobody really knew what was going on. A couple of three minute packages for for Spurs TV with not much more than the goals on it. I mean, they, it was so lucky they were playing in their training tops. It was literally just a, a knockabout with a few lower league teams for purely fitness and experimental purposes, and it seemed as though that is exactly what he wanted from it. And you know, then it um, seemed also, Raj, they they were. Um, I I think I I heard this right on Twitter, but apparently a couple of those games were broken into three periods of forty five minutes each. So it really was a kind of you know match experience, but in a controlled environment situation, which seems, given what we know about Pochettino's emphasis on fitness, it seems you know tailored around what he wanted the. the um, program to be yeah so i mean the fact that the club allowed him to to do that much himself is perfect there was that very telling donna cullen interview as well i'm not sure if you've read it or not where Uh she um either purposefully or or not pretty much admitted that the 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 large proportion of the thinking behind the trips to america especially and germany are commercial um which we've We've alluded to several times. It's not anyone with a brain is, you know, nobody's fooling us into thinking that this is the the best thing for us to be doing as a football club preparing for the season. Um, so that's slightly disappointing. It almost feels as if like there was a halfway point where Pochettino handed over the reins and said, "Thank you for allowing me this time with the players in the fashion I wanted. I will now sort of succumb to the pressure of of being allowed to to do what you wanted to." Because there was that that same situation with with Van Gaal last summer 
um, with Man United when he, when they went to go play in America and he complained about the pitches there and he said early on that if he'd been in charge earlier on and there wasn't the World Cup there, that that, that wouldn't have been his preparation time. That's not what he would have chosen to do. Whereas this summer he's gone back and he's he's sort of had to swallow his pride and allow that to happen because he's, you know, that's that's his, um, that's what he has to allow that club to do. We, we, we all accept that this is the game now and that, you know, at least part of pre-season is going to take place in a, in a different time zone. It's not so much that that happens, it's the, the timing of it. I, if, this is, if this had been, if we'd been doing this in July, you know, I'd have kind of, I, you accept it because it, it's just, it's what everyone else is doing. So therefore it's something we need to do too. And, and you know, we can, we can argue about the, the importance of commercialism in the game as much as we like, but it's just a fact now. It's just, it's part of the arms race. What I object to is that in the last 10 days, which are the 10 days before we go to Old Trafford, we played in, we will have played in, by the time we get to Manchester, three different time zones in a week and a half. And you just think, what? It's as if that, I mean, this week especially, they're, they're simulating the conditions that we notoriously struggle in during the Europa League, but they're making it worse. We're playing twice. And I'm looking, I, 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 I sort of, dropped in and out of tonight's game, and I must have watched about 60 minutes total, but I was watching the closing minutes. Harry Kane was still on the pitch after 85 minutes. He's thinking, it was the same situation with the uh, MLS game as well, which yeah, was much, much the same pace, much the same sort of thing. The only difference is that we actually managed to score because Kane got his one chance and, and, and really did well with it. I mean, he, he the cleverness to sort of tease the defender into a position where oh, he could then lovely. use him as a shield to block the keeper's vision of the ball... And then dispatch it was was absolutely fantastic. And any accusation that he's a flash in the pan is is ridiculous. He, he may well not match his goal scoring record, but that does not mean his talent has waned. It just means that the defenses are paying him much more attention and and giving him much more respect than they had in in a season where he was much less well known. Um, so that's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome over time. And he just needs to be given given that room to to do that now essentially he's gonna it's it's the natural order of things you you will have one season where nobody really knows who you are and you will be able to break out and have that that impact that he did and then people will watch you we've we've seen it in the past with with Gareth Bale the way he had to readapt and change his game after after a couple of different breakout seasons in different positions he's had to adapt his game and become a different player and Harry Kane if he's going to really reach a level that's anywhere comparable to that he's going to have to do exactly the same so it's going to be an interesting interesting thing for him to do and um if there's any manager that's that's primed to help him do that it's going to be Pochettino but he's going to have to have the room to rest as well. We we need to have to buy in new players. And although I'm, you know, we've had this argument over and over, the two of us, that, you know, I'm happier just selling for the time being and, and you actually want some, some purchases at the same time. It's, um, well, this is the thing. It's getting to a place now where it's undeniable that we are going to be under strength, even for a club of our size. Uh, we are going to be under strength if we don't start to make one or two key additions. I, what worries me now is that. What I find really confusing is that I, I accept kind of the aims and the ambitions of this transfer window, but they seem to contradict what our general philosophy is as a club. I mean, we towards the end of last year we restructured the scouting department, we brought in Paul Mitchell to to identify value, and we held ourselves to that 
through till about the middle of July. And then we're back to, well, you know, let's look again at the end of the window. And, and my question, if, if I've got a chance to talk to Daniel Levy, I'd ask him, if you're, if you're basing your scouting and recruitment model on identifying value beneath a marketing tra- market trend, which is seemingly what's happened, why then would you put yourself in the position at the end of the transfer window when clubs can smell your desperation just to see what's around? Because that's not the same. That's not a, that's not a, a Paul Mitchell influence situation. That's just a kind of, well, let, you know, let, let's sit in the office at 10 o'clock on transfer deadline day and hope a Van der Vaart drops into our lap. That's, that's, that's a, that's just, that's us reverting to type. And that's us also reverting to type at a time when, you know, we, we're not in a position now where, where we're, we're looking to kind of garnish the squad with, you know, luxurious extras. We actually need players in certain positions and they haven't been bought. I mean, I, there's um, the story about uh, Andre Yarmolenko going around, which I don't really want to look at because it, it's, it's the hope that will kill you, really. Um, because he's a, he's a glorious footballer. But I, it makes far too much sense for us to sign him. Uh, it's, it's just too logical. It's too good a deal and he's too good a player. Um, and so, I'm, you know, we've joked, we joked about this last week, but it, it, it's looking more and more like we're going to get to the 29th of August and go, you know what, Charlie Austin's still available. And, and you just think, come on, you, if, if, you, if you want to install a new direction... Have, have enough conviction in it to, to commit to it early in the summer. Get your business done. Take all the new players away with you to these, these tours and these team, team building exercises and allow them to be integrated in, in the, the bulk of preseason. Don't just... It, it's, a, it's a strategy which has failed us time and again um, and which has cost us money. And, and this approach is supposedly designed to save us money and we all understand why we have to be quite frugal. But just... Yeah, and, and also it, it, it's actually conducive to filling the squad with players who aren't quite right because we're putting ourselves in a situation where we're going to accept what's available rather than take what we want. And that just that feeds into, right, well, let's have a couple more Benjamin Stambouli's and we'll have an Etienne Capu here and you know maybe maybe chuck in a, a I don't know, um, a quick Polinio maybe. I, it's not... That's not how it's supposed to be. At least that's not how I understood it. That's not how it was presented to me. Um, and I just, I, I think it's laughable to go into the first Premier League game of the season, having not used, I mean, apparently, I don't know what's happening with Adabayor, but he hasn't taken part in the bulk of these last few weeks. Roberto Soldado is maybe going to Villarreal, but even if he's around and even if we need him for Saturday or uh, Stoke the week after, he hasn't played. So you haven't even given Pochettino the option of, of having any reserves. You just said, right, well, it's Kane, and we'll replace him at some we'll, we'll, we'll provide a backup for him at some point, but we haven't done it. So go into the season. And you know what I, I, I say this on the um on the on the lost interview with Musa. So apologies if if that if that's recovered and this is repeating itself. If this is me repeating myself, but The lost tapes. The lost tapes. But what if what if, what if Kane wakes up in the hotel on Saturday morning? And steps on on his iPhone charger plug, and he's done. We don't have a forward. How can you be a Premier League football team? And and you've had all summer. And I know we have to be secure with money and and sensible and everything. But we're also the beneficiaries of an enormous television deal, which is only getting bigger in the future. There has to be a room for saying, okay, short term loan or 
uh, we'll take a gamble on, you know, maybe not a top-tier youth player, uh, a top-tier younger sort of 20, 21-year-old player, but someone who could conceivably do a job as Harry Kane's backup. He hadn't done it. Well, we're equally as likely to be paying 15 million for Charlie Adam as we are paying 20 million for Saido Berahino if we get that desperate. And well, neither I, of I, those deals are appealing to, no, to either of us. No, me neither, mate. I, I, no, I would never... I mean, Berahino is a, a good player, but he's not a 20 million good player. Um, and I just... You've brought this guy in and supposedly with all his expertise and his ability to scout and find value in leagues which aren't fashionable and help us avoid the the kind of the perils of shopping in a British market. And you're not going to, you're not giving him, I don't know, I, I'm just at a loss. I, I, I find it, um, I find it depressingly familiar. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm depressing other people, but it, it's just, you, you're, you're handicapping yourself intentionally before you go into a season. And what happens if we get to the last week and there isn't anything? That's a, it's a huge gamble to take. We have, we we have though, we have added to this squad. We have added to the weakest part of our squad now quite significantly. So it's not as if we haven't done any business. The weakest part of our squad last season, demonstrably, was the defence. We have, yeah. we've addressed that quite, no, quite I, emphatically. I, that I agree with, and that that I I, I, and I said last week, what we've done in the defensive areas is great, and I'm, I, I really admire it. But the two biggest problems we had beyond that last season occurred in, in sort of March and April where the two players, two attacking players we'd relied upon most, Ericsson and Kane, were absolutely spent. Ericsson was a, was uh, an empty shirt. And, and I don't mean this as, a, as a, you know, in a kind of derisory way towards him. It's just, you know, the physical burden on him was enormous. And we got to March, April, and we had a ridiculous situation where everything was still, we were still trying to play through him, but he was knackered. And Kane was the same. Kane was, Kane was asked to play an enormous amount of football in his first season. His first proper full time season, and there is, there's been no, okay, Deli Ali may be able to play in Ericsson's position. We don't know that yet. Today he was using a slightly deeper role behind Ericsson, so that looks to be Pochettino's intention. But those positions are still uncovered now, and we are, you know, three months after that kind of March April period, and and we haven't addressed it, and that just. Yeah, you know, if if Yarmolenko rolls into to White Hart Lane in a couple of weeks' time, I'll take it all back. I promise. But it's just so typically Tottenham. Um, it's it's dispiriting um, to to enter a season with existing weaknesses that we've known about for a long time. And I um yeah, I just don't understand it. I mean, maybe maybe in the next couple of weeks, you know, there, there's a there's an obvious strategy and and. Daniel Levy has actually been very smart, but we, we've seen this in previous years. It's it's just a gamble. It's Levy being Levy and Levy wanting to take a risk and Levy enjoying, you know, trying to game the market at the last minute. And that's not what Mitchell is, was was brought to the club to do. Um, and so I, I see it as, as a bit of a contradiction. We um we we should probably talk about Manchester United since we've we do have the the lost tips. So we tips. need to <laughs> so we need to sort of address that and. Sort of recreate as much as possible, and neither of us two can do a Moussa impression, so we're sort of going to have to retread the same ground. And and if we can remember what he said about him, um, and sort of you know regurgitate that, not quite as eloquently as he did, um, but you know say, make the the same sort of point. Um, their preseason's been 
been, you know, what we expected it to be. They've they spent an awful lot of money. They've addressed some issues. They've neglected others. It's been much the same as ours, just with a lot more money involved. <laughs> um, and you know, their defense is somewhat susceptible, but they've they've added really good players in in other areas. I mean, Damian, according to Moose, has been really good. Uh, Schweinsteiger and Schneidlin are both going to be brilliant in their own right I mean if, if Schweinzer are going to have one good game it's it's going to be against us in his first home game and that's that's pretty guaranteed um, the pie's probably going to be a, a good signing for them so is this one that we should not write off but is this one that you know we, we, we shouldn't be as confident about given that we, we've just complained for 20 minutes about the, the the lack of things we've addressed in our own squad is this something that we aren't going to be fully up to speed for and perhaps Manchester United are or or is this even the ideal time to play them because their squad isn't going to be as gelled and we may be able to catch them cold and perhaps nick a, nick a point or, or three? Um, I think it's both. I think um, I, I don't see much reason for, for positivity, really. They, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're playing in a bit of a different weight class to us. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you'd rather play them now because they haven't, they haven't had any competitive games as a unit. Um, they've they've bought really well, and, and I think Misa Misa was right in that. The one thing Misa did say, and I suppose this is the thing to take heart from, is he was still a little bit baffled about the lack of investment in the defence because they're still relying on one of Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, or Johnny Evans to play alongside. Um, uh, God, I can't remember his name. Argentinian full, uh, fullback. Marcus Rojo. Marcus Rojo, um, and that's obviously not a, a kind of that's not a lead defense by any stretch of the imagination um and i think that uh he may well I, play rojo and Belinda next to each other he may well do yeah and we um i mean we, we also sort of we, we forgot blind during a conversation with with musa because it was um and that's kind of a symptom of of how midfield focused their recruitment has been um so yeah and, and also musa didn't really seem that confident in predicting what the first eleven will be. So I think, I think with he also predicted we he also predicted a nervy one all draw, didn't he? Yeah, he was very optimistic. Well, very, very. I think he, I think he was just being respectful. Kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 from my point of view, um, what I really want is is not to get embarrassed at Old Trafford because I I, I don't want to see the worst thing that could happen is if we go there field a couple of young players and get thumped because that, that's the kind of thing that can lead to a bit of a hangover and that's not the way you want to start a season so as long as we go there we play some football we don't do we don't beat ourselves I think that's the important thing because that's absolutely what we did last year go there um, and, and have the right mindset then that's something to take away from the game even if we don't get any points yeah um, I, I agree with that um, God anyone I'm... listening to us Roger they're just going to go what's the point you know, no, we, but we, we, we have <laughs> been we have been really positive about it in the past, up until yeah, yeah, even in the last show we were really positive about it, and I, and I still am positive about the season to a degree. It's I'm just about fa- the season, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I just, just this this period seems slightly nonsensical because I'd I'd forgotten we were participating in this double header of games. It's to, just grated at me for the last couple of weeks, just the sort of the kind of the inertia behind the scenes and and and. When you add in Audi Cups and trips to America and you just, I don't know, I, I just, um, yeah, you just question our priorities a little bit. 
I'll tell you what we, we need to do now. Yeah, and, and I imagine it's a, and, uh, yeah, it's a conversation that we didn't have last week because we ran out of time. And it's probably one that Jack will want to be on for as well in future. So we'll probably revisit it again. But it is the, the stadium issue um, because it's not something we've spoken about yet. We've both written about it in the in the Fighting Cock fanzine, which is well worth your, your what was it, £3.50 or something like that? 3 50 yeah. Yeah. And whatever your postage packaging is, depending where you live, it is, it is fantastic. There's other writers other than, than me and Seb in there and it's really beautifully put together and, and things so it is worth your time and it helps those lads over there keep their their operation running and and what they need to do afloat so it's uh it's well worth your time it's not as if they're asking for your money for nothing it's it, it's genuinely very good and i'm not just saying that because we're involved no, it's a really nicely put together piece of work it looks great it really does and uh, the last line of your your uh, piece did did almost make me tear up because it is quite it is quite sentimental um writing about um the club and, and the stadium specifically with with us only being a handful of years now away from essentially tearing down white Hart lane brick by brick but to have this this conversation now um what's your view of the the, the stadium situation as a whole because it is it's undeniably beneficial in the cold nosed you know centre the the you know, analysis, it's it's going to do wonders for the club financially and in terms of stature. And I'm sure it's going to help Enoch complete their project with Tottenham and, and sell us on to whoever they wish to, which is a, a conversation for another day. Um, but with the way in which it's come about, with the uh, the loss of, of White Hart Lane um, as a building, as a, as a sort of area, because it is almost like a... It is a sort of a symbol of the club, isn't it? And it's and it's tearing down that, and it's it, it's a very physical representation of of the change of the game and the way in which football is played. This uh, this very public way of the club growing, um, and it's it's no bad thing that we are you know moving with the times and 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 finally getting this done after speaking about it for what almost feels like fifteen twenty years. Um, yeah, the very most. It's uh, it's an odd one because it's a it's that classic battle of head and heart, isn't it? You've yeah. your head knows what the benefits are going to be. Your heart doesn't quite want to let it go. So what what was what's been your appraisal of it? Are you are you in favour of it? Um, in a in in both that sense, is is your head and your heart in the same place, or, or are, you, are you torn over the, oh, over okay. the movement? Of course, I'm torn. I am. Um... I don't think there's an argument to be made about its necessity because obviously if you want to be competitive, you need the, the facilities to be so. Um, and it's been obvious for a long time that we do need a new stadium and that the demand exists for us to, to have a, a much bigger capacity. And so I'm, I'm fine with all of that. But I don't go to White Lane as much, nearly as much as I used to. I, I haven't been for a long time. Um, but I always remember when I did used to go... I always have the same feeling. I mean, it's rickety as hell inside, and and anyone who hasn't been there, it's it's the kind of place you you just imagine when you're inside the bowels of the stadium. It's as if nothing has changed in forty years, and I always kind of like that. And then you get to the, to wherever you're sitting, and what one of the great things about White Hart Lane is is even if you're sitting on you know the upper tier, you have a great view. I mean, okay, there's there's very restricted seats, and the poles get in the in the way of some people who who don't know where to buy tickets and where not to. Sure, but it was I'd, I'd always 
I'd always look down on the pitch and I'd always remember the different things I'd seen on the pitch over the years. And I really liked that. You know, the, you can remember, um, obviously when I was a season ticket holder, I stayed in the same place. But when you when you were just a, in a, buying an individual ticket kind of fan, you'd move around and you'd remember where you were when you saw that goal and what, what, what sort of view you had and and little things. And it, it, I, I'll miss that like crazy because when a stadium... When a stadium's been around for a long time, it has, you know, it's going to sound slightly pretentious, it has a soul to it, you know, in the same way that all the old grounds did, that when you go now to the Emirates or the Etihad or, you know, any of the other new build stadiums, which incidentally all look the same, really, it's like they've been made out of a, a mould. You don't have that. It's just, it's like a, it's like a pleasure dome. And it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of traditional with football and I, I don't like, um, I don't like the kind of the airbrushed feel that it has in general, and so going into those kind of stadiums feels like a kind of a, a reinforcement and a, a of what's been lost and what's been discarded. Even though I understand it's it's been necessary, and so a lot of I mean the White Hart Lane experience will will you know in some ways be the same because I'd hated it if we'd moved because I I, I it's awkward and i I'm, I'm sure i complained about it for hours and hours and hours but the you know the arriving at seven sisters and the walking up the high street and you know the crowds get slightly larger and eventually you see the stadium and you know you, you know where how close you are by which shops you're going past and stuff and and i, I love that um and even actually you know when, when you, you can you can't even get the tube on the way out because there's so many people you know I, those are some happy times when you lose, not so happy, but you know, when you, when you've had a good win and you're in that kind of environment with your fellow fans, it doesn't really matter as much. And I'd have hated it if we'd moved to, I I, I could never have forgiven the club if they'd gone to Stratford. Um, I would have, I, 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 yeah, I think I'd have felt deeply betrayed by that. So the Stratford point's an interesting one though, because the thing, um, that I take heart from and, um, in this entire thing, in a non-commercial sense, in a non-footballing sense, is the fact that one of the most poorest areas of the country is having an awful lot of investment put into it and an awful lot of overdue investment. There's going to be new job yep. opportunities and, and social environments and things there that is that is is desperately needed because Tottenham is, is one of the areas of the country, and London specifically is a borough, that is... Uh, below the poverty line in a way that it shouldn't be in this day and age. Um, and knowing the way in which I lean and and politically and things like that, it, it makes sense that that's the sort of thing that I would point to as being a, a highlight of it. It's it's slightly disappointing that it's coming through the most you know overbearing period of gentrification it's probably ever seen. Yeah. But if that's the only way it's going to occur, then it's probably a a lesser evil than anything else. Um, there's an awful lot of, of good local businesses that are having to relocate and, and suffer at the hands of the club. But it seems as though the 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 greater good, for want of a better phrase, perhaps may come through this period of investment and, and you know, cash injection into the area that it wasn't long ago that we were having to delay matches at White Hart Lane because of riots in the area. So it's... There's clearly an area there in a in a social or political sense that needs a level of investment, and I, I know this isn't something that perhaps plays on the mind of people who 
who just support Tottenham as a as a football team and just see it as a you know get really annoyed at, <laughs> at Archway Steel and whatnot for for standing in the way of of the club because they are a small business and it makes no sense to us and there's obviously that Arsenal connection and they, they were perhaps the way in which they were behaving on social media wasn't to taste um, for anyone it was slightly questionable their motives behind doing so but at the end of the day it is it is big big business pushing the little man around which isn't something that um some people want to see really is it it's a, it's a tiny bit uncomfortable um you know but I, that is that is a is a positive though that, that that area as i say is getting is getting a level of investment that it, 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 it's so desperately required yeah i think so i mean I, i'm always really cautious of this stuff because it's you always hear the same rhetoric around every new stadium build or any renovation. Um, yeah, but in most all, areas, it's, it's it's never really needed because in most no. areas, the stadium has been built in a retail park three miles outside of the city centre. It's That's not it. actually, it's not actually part of the the economy that the people it it, it benefits at the end of the day is the is the cinema and the B and Q that is built next to it. It's never gonna be the, the actual businesses or the homes that are around it. Whereas White Hart Lane as you as you point out with the walk that's required from Seven Sisters and the, the lack of transport, it's it's right in the middle of a residential area. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, it's it's near a, a small local community, and the fact that it's going to stay in that exact position is is not only good in a historical and a, and a sort of traditional sense for for people like us who don't like change and and obviously would have rallied against anything going to Stratford because that's just it's not it doesn't make sense. You may as well have have moved the club to to Yorkshire if you're going to move it to to Stratford. That's about as much sense it makes. Um, it's very it's a very Milton Keynes Wimbledon type move, and that's why so many people were were uncomfortable with it. We we've spent our entire existence as a as football supporters using it as a stick to beat Arsenal with their their entire club is built on a nomadic you know stature and that's where they've come from they've their success is built on having abandoned their roots and if we were to do exactly the same thing it would have been a, a ridiculous thing for the club and the fans to have to stomach and i understand there were some people who who saw it who didn't ha- who didn't make that connection and i'm not saying they they're wrong um but they are <laughs> um they it's it's just something that they needed to to sort of, of, of understand, but it's it's the 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 other thing that we we yet to talk about is the the third party investment from the NFL, which I'm sure we'll get in onto. Yeah, but, before, but, before we get onto that though, 
the renovation, I mean, the the, the, the local social benefits. Yeah. I am, um, the only time, I, I'm, I've lived all over London during my time there, but never in Tottenham. And um, mm. I, when I used to go to games, because there are so many people and because you're kind of, you're masked from the community by the crowds in a way, because, you know, everyone walks in the same direction. You never really get how in need of that Tottenham as an area is. I, I remember um, many years ago when I, I was doing a different job, I, I very, very briefly worked um, with a with a client who were working with Tottenham. So I, I was sort of representing them um, with Spurs. And I, I remember having to walk again from Seven Sisters down Tottenham High Street to the stadium on a non-match day when it was just a normal day in Tottenham. It was only yeah. really then that I got um, how ridiculous it is that you have White Lane's not an impressive stadium but it, it's still a symbol of the kind of the, the opulence of modern football and how ridiculously ironic it was to see this you know uh, metaphorical cathedral in the middle of an area which desperately needs investment I had a, a very similar experience it was actually a, um, a week or two after the riots had happened um, yeah. I was down in London um, with my family um, visiting some other people, and um, they'd gone to. They were going to go watch Wicked, I think, at the um, theatre. Yeah, and, and anyone that knows me to any extent knows that that is my idea of hell. I would have rather <laughs> taken blunt instruments and and use them to gouge out my eyes than than going to see a play at the at West End or something like that. I think that's it's, Tottenham Court Road, Wicked, uh, Wicked actually. The the furthest the, the the furthest thing from what I wanted to Something do. Like so I actually I bought myself a, a stadium tour to go around and have a look at the stadium at the same time that they were going to watch that. And then I'd obviously meet up with them later on. So I'd, I managed to avoid that that period of pain. Um, and I got the train tube, uh, got off and walked by myself down the high street afterwards. And you've got your bookies with smash windows. You've got the Tottenham ticket office boarded up. You've got you know all these people out actually having to sweep up and, and repair their businesses by hand. Um, and the entire area is in, in an, e- an even bigger uh, period of disrepair than it than it is usually. And you, you sort of, then you walk into the stadium and they start showing you all the the leather seats and the cups and uh, and everything yeah. shiny that's there. And you've got everyone in their own Tottenham Hotspur bubble inside that building that, that has no real connection to the people outside. In, in any sort of real uh, meaningful way, if you actually look at it in, in that sort of cynical sense, it, it is very shut off. Um, but hopefully now, um, if this is done properly and and if it's done right, because there is, with the, the government and the public involvement in it, there should be a, a large concern, even even bigger perhaps than the football club. There should be one for the, for the area, uh, at least I believe. Um, yeah, well, I don't think... Anyone, we, I mean... I don't think anyone would disagree. I think it's it's imperative. It has to be, um, and that's the mitigation against all the traditional stuff. You see a benefit to the community, and you see that that certain promises are kept, and that there is a kind of um, uh, an overflow of benefit from the building of the stadium. Then you can take everything else, and you just go, all right, okay, we accept that. But if yeah. not, then it's just again the Premier League existing, like you said, inside that little bubble. You know, in an area which you know that they they supposedly represent. I know that's a lost uh, lost association in in 2015, but they supposedly represent and yet have no um, proper 
um, benevolent impact on. Yeah, I'll, uh, if I take my, my right hand off my heart and my left hand off my copy of Das Kapital for a second <laughs> and, and, uh, and discuss uh, the NFL, um, yeah. which couldn't be any more opposite than the, the conversation we've just had. It's, it's a very strange thing. If, if you have read my, uh, my, my fanzine article, I wrote it, I think, a couple of months before it ever even appeared on, on an, in a newspaper um the the rumors of it uh the the official announcement was definitely a very long time away but i um i spent an awful lot of time as as a journalist you can't really give away who you who you spoke to specifically um but i spoke to a fair few people trying to the the initial thing that i got asked to do um flav texted me out of the blue and he asked me oh can you write an, an article that um, points out the financial impact of the new stadium, like how much more we'll be making a match day, you know, what it'll point out, what it's going to be, um, how it'll actually help us for this new fanzine. I said, yeah, that sounds fine. Sounds like something I'll do, and I cracked on doing it. And every time I, I tried a, a normal avenue, I hit a brick wall, and um, nothing seemed to add up because uh, everything that was on the website, everything that was official at that time, and even in newspapers that were talking about the stadium, they were still publishing pictures of the old rendered drawings with naming rights written on the top and and things, and that old image of what the stadium was before this recent um, redo. And um, none of it seemed like it was relevant anymore. It all seemed as if... Is there a guy in that photo with a Luka Modric shirt on? Well, something like that. There's Just even, <laughs> I think, I think Ledley King's on the pitch as well. Uh, that's how long those those images were made. And um, no matter who I tried to speak to, it was all, you know, I was reaching a, a dead end, and I couldn't exactly work out how it was going to be. Let alone what we were going to make from it. I couldn't work out how we were going to fund it because there was no. Every time I, I asked the question and got into the the really boring nitty gritty of it, there seemed to be a this overhanging. Uh, issue of third party monies into the investment um and uh, the more and more i did the the thing that it started to point to in one way or another was nfl investment because i'd worked out that the the capacity wasn't 54 or 56000 it was going to be 61 um i'd worked out that you know the the changing rooms and things had changed i'd worked out all this business surrounding it and it worked out that Tottenham were not going to be borrowing any money from anyone so there's definitely going to be a another investor in there and all it was just a bit after we'd had all this Kane Hoy business and there was a an uh, another foreign company that apparently was consulted about giving money into Tottenham um to you know just give us a bit of an extra cash flow for some for some stocks um in in the uh, in the business and um Eventually came to the conclusion there was going to be the NFL, and um, the article was very cynical of it. I mean, you, you've read it. Uh, I've got, I've I've got some some distance from it myself because once you sort of write something and you invest your time in it, you'll know as well as I that you sort of Never it's almost. It again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very it's a very crude way of, of putting it, but it's almost like having a shit, isn't it? Because while you're doing it, it's your your entire concentration on what is happening, and once it's gone. You you don't tend to look back on it too much, do you? Um, well, also there, there was um, the the distance between um, submitting the articles and and the fanzine coming out was actually quite quite a long time. So I when I when mine arrived, I, I honestly couldn't remember most of what I'd written. 
Um, and you, you know, it's just a you know, it's a highly concentrated period, and then you, you move on to other stuff. So yeah, by the time I'd uh, you know the the funds had come out and everyone read it, the official NFL announcement had come to to I think most people were were roundly positive about it. Everyone was because it seemed as if it was a means to an end. Um, of getting the stadium built and was obviously going to be this additional money and there's going to be no harm to the playing surface because there's going to have these retractable flooring that would um, would be able to host a, a concert and whatnot um, and not affect our playing surface in, in a manner that you can these days because we've got the technology to... Um, Seemed as though everyone was was fairly happy about it, but the NFL is a is an institution that is, in some ways, even more business minded than the Premier League is. And I must confess straight off the bat, it's not a sport that I watch. It's not one that I'm well, invested in at all. It's it's not one that I completely understand. You probably do more than I. Um, it's not an American sport I'm I'm particularly interested in. I mean, the only one that I tend to really watch with any sort of consistency is is the NBA, and that's got nothing really to do with with the NFL it's a, it's it's a slightly different beast um the NFL is 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 a and I, I draw this comparison quite a lot in, in in terms of how developed it is as a sporting property it is light years ahead of the Premier League uh, in terms of what it gets out of itself and, and also what it provides to its fans as a uh, horrible word I know but as a as a fan experience um, its idea of how to mature and grow and develop itself is would 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 make the people at the Premier League and Gloucester Avenue blush. I mean it's just it, it it from little things like comparing the NFL's website and digital properties to, you know, the Premier League's little kind of oh here's some fantasy football stuff. It's um yeah. That's why it's 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 um the NFL understands sports marketing because the NFL grew up in an environment which is accepting of sports marketing in my opinion um i worked a little bit in sports marketing in america and and um i used to have a a, a colleague who i worked with and I, I worked in the uk branch of the business he handled the us branch of it and his job was significantly easier to mine because america as a country seems to be far less resistant to the idea of marketing the hell out of everything um and making as much money as possible from uh the little um avenues that you know, can be sold off within sport. Um, and so I think when something like the NFL comes in, you know, with, with its slightly jarring different sporting culture anyway, just in terms of the way that fans watch it, is an obvious culture clash. And I think I think maybe that that's partly, beyond the things like the pitch and the, the physical concerns, that's kind of part of the problem with people have with it. And that's why they they tend to be pretty suspicious of of anything like that coming close to their football team. Yeah, it's it, any third-party investment I would have been extremely wary of. I mean, yeah. since that fanzine article's been published, I've had several tweets and several emails from several different people asking me about, you know, the 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 cynicism I've directed towards it because it has been largely overridingly positive. Um, I think it, not to sound too, too wanky, it, I think it has a lot to do with perhaps my political stance and the way in which I approach it from that area because you mean you've heard me on this podcast several times before um, uh, give a, a hard time apparently to fans of clubs such yeah. as um, Chelsea and Manchester City because of the way in which their their clubs operate in a purely financial sense and because 
the NFL seems as if it's a gateway to that world of, of financial doping and, and, you know, just success through financial means it, it it's a it's a new direction for Tottenham we've we've always been the little train that could um and I've always enjoyed that I've always enjoyed the fact that pockets of success always seem much sweeter than than sustained periods of success because you, you, you it becomes an expectation if we became a club all of a sudden the culture of the club became that losing one match I mean it is to an extent at the moment which is faintly ridiculous but if it if it became the culture of the club where winning a match and not winning a cup every season was the norm it would become unrecognisable from the thing that, that sort of charmed me and and made me want to support it as a child. I mean, I've written about it. That draw easy Tottenham, actually. Exactly, and I mean, yeah. there's that. There's always going to be that familial connect for me. The fact that I, I'm obviously not from the area. The reason I support it is because my family um, ended up in that area on my dad's side, and it's a club that he grew up supporting. And you know, I used to watch him for the longest period in my childhood. He used to disappear most weekends and drive down to the stadium and come back. Um, and it was only really after about 10 years when my sister was born that he, he gave his season ticket up. So that was my experience of the club. It is, was this is thing this that... A deep, uh, is this also a, a, a point of personal sensitivity that he, he gave up his season ticket for your sister? <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that no, where I, this is I, headed? No. I know I completely understand why he did it. Um, if anything, that's the reason why I support the club as much because I used to be able to tell when he arrived home um, what he he thought or what the result was because if the door slammed, I knew it was a loss. And more often than not, Tottenham in the nineties, they were they were losing. Um, and he actually gave his season ticket up the season before we finished fifth. And we just started to get really good, just as he'd given it up, um, which I'm sure plays on his mind. I'm sure, you know, as me and my sister get older now, um, she's got a few more years to go after me. But as we get older, it's probably something he might revisit as he gets older and trying to go down a bit more. I'm not, I'm not sure if me and mum would allow him to these days. Um, but that was my relationship with the club, and that's why I have this emotional connection with them. And I've been a lot over the over the years to Art Lane. It's always somewhere that he, he used to take me to when he could, because um, my uncle used to have a season ticket as well. Um, whenever that was free, I could go. Um, so it's it's a strange one, really. It's uh, it, it feels uncomfortable just because I don't think we like change because we are that sort of people that don't like it and because it's easier as a younger person as perhaps a, a fan from areas in which these sports regularly do things like this regularly change stadiums and things there was a, a really really good segment on on john oliver's um program on hbo the other week about stadiums in america um because that he was just saying how much public money gets poured into these things even though the yeah. The, the companies themselves can afford to do it. They spend more money on on helping the the clubs pay for for stadiums than they do than they really should. Um, it's just a a cultural issue, I I think at least. And we we can't stress enough. I don't think either of us that not just as fans, but as as people that do what we do, and the the amount of time we spend between us thinking about football in the most boring way mm. and trying to come up with with something intelligible to say about it we really do understand the fundamentals behind why it's positive and why it's going to be beneficial to the club but as fans and looking it looking through it through that lens and not as not as you know journalists or writers or anything or, or somebody who would write about it in in a in a detached sense in a 
and a purely an emotional one, it's a, it's a very troubling prospect. And I don't think there's been any anyone who's really railed against that. No, but it's one of those things, Raj. It's it's um, it's another point at which the game departs from. Not it's, it's not it hasn't stopped being fun, but that seems to it, it's no longer Saturday afternoon entertainment. It's it's a business at every corner, every everywhere you look, and we've we've discussed several different points in the, on on this pod alone. In that everywhere the club goes, and and this is not Tottenham. This is every club in the country, almost or every every top flight club in the country. Um, there is a business decision behind something, and I accept that that is the way that things have to be. But it, it's it grates at you. It stops being about the football, and that's um, you know, that's that's, that's really, yeah, it's it, it's it's hard to take. I mean, you can accept the realities as much as you want. You can do the numbers, and you can you can plot investment in terms of how it relates to um, you know what you'll be able to spend on a centre forward or a midfielder or how much you'll be able to pay your goalkeeper. It doesn't matter. It's not, you know, it, 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 it's kind of contrary to uh, contrary to what I grew up with. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've both come from a position where supporting Tottenham was never about success. Because nah, if it was, then you've made the wrong decision. To, to a Barcelona fan on, on uh, Twitter the other day and I said, how do you cope with... Success and failure being divided. An unsuccessful season is not winning, finishing second in your league and, and only getting to the semi-finals of the Champions League. And he said it's a nightmare because all of a sudden everything becomes very, very short-term. Not short-term as in the way we associate it at Tottenham in terms of, you know, six games and, and fans want managers sacked. At those places, it's draw away at Malaga and you want the manager sacked. And it's just like that. It's not what the game is. It's not, you know, it's just a horrible, it's as if you're going to, it's as if you're going to the theatre to watch a play and you're there really just to make sure that all the lines are, 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 are read correctly and that you want to boo as soon as a, an actor stumbles over his, uh, over his speeches. And it's just, yeah. We need to move on to a different topic because this is, this, this is not what we, <laughs> we usually do on Rule the Roost. Yeah, I think because Jack's ill and because we... We can't moderate the misery. And we've had the the lost tapes into which the, you haven't, yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't fully than, recovered from. No. Let's, um, let's let's do questions, shall we? Yeah, let me have a look at the inbox. Uh, we've had somebody, Phil Walker. Uh, Phil Walker gave us that dog awful question last time about winning the league, and after that hour of us complaining, Phil, you've seen why we laughed that out. Um, <laughs> uh, but he says now that we have established a young squad that will carry us through the next the next few years. I believe that should say um should we now be trying to sign more experienced players in the market and for our youngers and for our younguns to learn from it you know what the hardest thing about doing questions is is editing people while you read them yeah it's impossible mate. yeah yeah because uh, it just makes you sound as if you can't read when really you you're trying to polish what somebody's written in an email and that's no abuse to you phil everyone does it i think everyone just sort of because it's us nobody really cares what they put in their email <laughs> but you know when it's not written in a sense that that makes sense when you read it out editing it on the fly is really hard but anyway about that should we be, should we should we be making some old school red nap signings and bringing in some some old duffers to help our young ones along i mean i understand what he's getting at and i would love um esteban capiaso 
Um, I think that would be a, a, a cracking signing for us at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like the use of the the term red nap signings because uh, you say that and I think Ryan. Nelson... I was I was I was making a joke. I, okay, I just that made, wasn't like, elder, okay. I just made like elder statesman that sort. Of... I, well, I, I I don't necessarily need elder statements. I just I, I just need players that you know one or two players who are capable of, of playing now, who we aren't you know who we aren't giving experience to on the fly in the hope that sort of. Scott Parker type signings. Yeah, exactly. He's... Yeah, a a low budget. Here you go. You've been around the league for a long time, and I don't necessarily mean it has to be someone from England or from the Premier League. Just someone that you can go. I know what you're capable of. Go and sit in that position. Do a job for five games while this player recovers from injury. This player takes a break, or this youngster just has a little bit of time out to digest. Yeah, and you'll experience. you'll actually be a hand around the place while you're exactly. here as well. You'll be influential I, I'm, I wouldn't mind a, I think Jack said this last time but I wouldn't mind a bid for for Michael Carrick or someone while he's obviously his playing time at Manchester United is going to be greatly reduced with the the sheer number of central midfielders that they have um so I love Carrick back just for the sake of Harry Carrick back I think I, I love Michael Carrick so much that if he was to come back I pro- <laughs> I, I might even buy a new shirt and get his name on the back of it. I, I just I I, <laughs> I the only player that it's hurt me more to lose was Luka Modric, and um, and that's that's some pretty esteemed company. Shall I tell you that the summer that really broke my heart when was they the... sold Bell on your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that one actually. Um, it was uh, you gotta love Tom. That's just no because I got I got over I'd got over um, the fact that we. We were a smaller fish by this point, but it was when I was a bit younger. It was when we sold Robbie Keane and Berbatov in the same window because I, I didn't think we'd... I was in that naive age where I didn't think we'd lose either of them because I thought playing for Tottenham was like the ultimate thing for everyone. Um, and the fact that, you know, your two favourite players and your two best players go in the same summer. I'd, I, I have a really vivid memory of me after I'd heard both of them I left sat on the end of my bed looking at my wall where their posters hung up and just sort of getting up and phenomenally ripping them down um and sort in of a, like in a, a teary rage yeah it was almost like that was it my my naivety towards loyalty in football had ended that summer and even though Robbie Kim came back and scored four goals against Burnley in one game it, it wasn't the same um so that was that was the one that ended it for me. But we've had another question from uh, Jared in Perth, Western Australia. He says, in this digital era of Twitter, Spurs TV, the Spurs Go app, etc., the club has all these methods of communication with the fans. Why is there so little information given out regarding the fitness of various players coming back from injury? I can actually answer this one. Um, sorry, Seb. No, go ahead, mate. Um, but I've just written a feature that should be out um, within the next couple of weeks for Vice um, about social media at Tottenham. I spoke to Roberto and Tim, who used to work for Spurs a couple of years ago. Um, Which Tim was this, mate? Tim Love. <laughs> not, not, not sure. Would you? Yeah, me on the phone to Tim Sherwood. Can you imagine that tip? Oh, Jesus. Um, I that one. Yeah, that's that. That's one that I would. Have, yeah, can you imagine if that was the lost tape? I would have been very actually. Mm. Any my my bank account would have probably been happy because my legal team that I'd have needed to hire um, would have would have been somewhat costly. Um, <laughs> but I spoke to spoke to those two about it. Now, one of the questions I asked Tim, who used to actually run Spurs TV, he was the the presenter for a few years. Not this. If you go back and have a look at like the uh, the Carl Walker Halloween one or the Gareth Bale penalty save, the the block in the video is Tim. And um, I was speaking to him about things that he had uh, jettisoned from um, 
from from his ideas, things that he'd pitched and didn't manage to get through. And this isn't something that I managed to actually fit into the piece, so I don't mind burning the material before it's published. Um, he said that he wanted to do a series of videos that showed a player's route back from injury um, and sort of step-by-step, step, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, this is what they're doing, this is how they're coming back sort of thing. Because one of the things he saw was the injured players got some of the rawest abuse online because people used to think that they were sort of enjoying being injured because they were getting paid to not play. They were just having a bit of a dos. And that obviously wasn't the thing. They were working harder um, than the than the actual fit players most of the time because they were trying to get back to that sort of competitive level. And he obviously had it shut down. And the reason for that being is that you can't start putting time periods and, and sort of quantifying yeah. um, injuries... Because it's, it's it's something that Arsene Wenger does a lot of the time, um, where he'll go, it oh, it'll be a couple well of weeks. Him, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a couple of weeks, he'll say about Abu Dhabi, and it'll be two years later and you've not seen him, and everyone went, I, I thought that was supposed to be a two-week injury. And that's the thing, you open yourself up to the criticism. You can't, every time somebody's injured, you can't go, it looks like he'll be back in a week, because well, within that, that week, something that else might happen. With Jack Wilshire, he said, oh, you know, a couple of days, and, and then... And then, as ever with Wilshire, yeah, longer than we originally expected. Well, the the one that means serious. Yeah, the the one the one that me and Jack often joke about is that time that um, Danny Rose got turf toe because that was only supposed to be like a a week long thing where he banged his foot, but it ended up being about six months before we saw him again. Um, So you can't quantify them because essentially you're just opening the door for a world of pain from everyone. So you've just sort of that's one of the things you've you've sort of got to be a bit quieter about. You can you can almost give out wide estimations uh, you know like when you get the gas man round and he gives you a window from the 1st of january to the 31st of december is the time he may arrive yeah, be in from um, five to eight yeah yes yeah, well it's not even that three hours would be nice it's usually no, about no, no, six. five in the morning to eight o'clock at night yeah, <laughs> well yeah 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 that sounds <laughs> a bit yeah um that's that's you've got to do that essentially because you've got to cover your own back because people will start getting on your back um the next question is from uh, Naushad Ali, who uh, says, his first question is, the NFL deal too good to be true? I think we've answered that one. Uh, second is, given Levy uh, wangled, uh, is wangled a word? Do you think I, he means I, I, wrangled? I think he means wrangled, but we'll go with wangled. That's okay. Yeah, I like wangled. We'll um, adopt that as a, uh, yeah, part of yeah. the RTR vernacular. Yeah, given Levy wangled out uh, of there being any social housing within the North uh, London Development Project, is the talk of commitment to regeneration the Tottenham Hotspur Foundation simply PR? I think we touched on that as well, didn't we? I think um, we kind of covered that, and, and I think that's something that I think that's something we should leave because it, it, it's a conversation that will probably be ongoing for most of the season, um, yeah. and something Jack will probably want to be part of too. Yeah, we, we, we I think we've made our our thoughts clear on yeah, yeah. on the stadium issue as it stands at present. Any further developments, obviously, we'll we'll comment on within time, and I'm sure between the two of us over the next couple of years, the amount of times that people are gonna want us to write about the stadium thing is gonna become uh, is become become a test in itself, trying to come up with something new to say. But that's a that's an issue for another day. Uh, the last question is from Stephen Crogan, who says, uh, realistically, what do you expect average attendances to be when the new stadium is built? Uh, do you think that... 61,000. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> do you think? I mean, you, 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 I'm serious. So you, because it's not even necessarily about our fan base translating into a new stadium, which there's, if the club's season ticket waiting list to be believed, it should be no problem. You put a you put a new football stadium in but London. But that, that, that's a bit of a fallacy, though. You get a you get a place on the season ticket waiting list. It's not something you necessarily pay for. It's just something you get no, whenever you pay of, for the it. The length of the waiting list. It, it, I mean, no, in but terms it's of what any, it implies. No, but anyone who has a membership um, is on the waiting list. So even if it's somebody who has a membership because they want priority tickets for yeah, the that's five fair. tickets to get a season, they necessarily can't afford a grand every year to, to pay for a season ticket it is it's artificially inflated that figure is as good as it sounds to quote the 60,000 people that are waiting for a season ticket it, it's not it doesn't translate directly to 60,000 people who want a season ticket no that, that, obviously that's, they'll, that's they'll probably be true but I'll, they'll probably be 10 to t- 10 to 20,000 who who bump up the you know and and do sorry and do commit <laughs> what but I, that? I'd burped okay. um I do commit, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be the, the full full waiting list. No, I I, I, I strongly believe it will, will fill up, but it's just because uh, your point is right, and I, I agree with you in that you know not everyone on that list can actually afford to buy a season ticket, but for the sake of... Not even afford to buy one, even want, want to. One. No, that's true. But I think what you'll find is that um, once the stadium... I mean, uh, once the stadium is actually built, um, instead of... You're not going to see any reduction in cost because it's the Premier League, so of course you won't. Um, but I, I would imagine in those first few years, they will not subsidise, but make it as easy as possible for people to to, to afford season tickets. So you know you can have your um, uh, you can have your payment uh, programs and, and all that kind of thing. Because I, I think it's very important that when you move into a new place like that, it is full from the start. Um, and I, I'd be I think... very surprised if Tottenham didn't do everything they can to. Uh, I think it'll be full from the start purely because people will want to be there. The enthusiasm. Yeah, I don't mean literally from first day, but I I mean first couple of years. I I, and also I I genuinely believe that when you build a new stadium in London in a for for a Premier League side, you're not necessarily always going to fill it with Tottenham fans. I think you'll see a little bit of a migration, Um, uh, not necessarily of existing football supporters, but you'll see people who want to watch Premier League games. Um, and that may not be the the kind of person you want at a Tottenham game. It might just be sort of affluent people who fancy having a couple of seats at Tottenham on the weekend. But you, I, I'd be stunned if it, it doesn't um, it doesn't come very high to sixty one thousand. Come very close to sixty one thousand. I think it'll be regularly in the fifties. I don't think it'll be. Well, it depends, doesn't it? Because some clubs it'll um, be thirty, and there'll never be any point in leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most Tottenham thing, wouldn't it? Um, or, or it'll be like 40,000 and we'll say, look, there's the extra 4,000 in there that we didn't use to. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, the, the thing I was going to say is that some that clubs... That would actually be the most Spurs thing ever, 40. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> some clubs, um, they they go on like the tickets that are supposed to be sold or like the promise of tickets yeah. sold rather than bums on seats. Newcastle so, do like, that quite a lot. For example, um, I'm told Arsenal do that, not as a dig to them, but in the process of writing that article that um, I spoke about earlier, um, Arsenal actually do this where they, they're apparently sold out in like 99% of the time, whereas if you actually were to count bums on seats, it is never that that full because they, there's so many different like cup schemes and what have you and ticket schemes for their season tickets that it doesn't actually work out to be as as full as they claim it to be. 
Anyhow, uh, is that us done? I think it probably is. It's just it's not quite the same without Jack, is it? Yeah, all the other lost tips. I, I have to apologise again because it was no, really, no, no, it no, was don't, really don't. good. You've done you've done this. Don't kill yourself about this. It's okay. It's a really good forty minute chat. We'll we'll have Moose on again in the in the uh, in the in the uh, later on in the season. Um, I'm sure we have. Um, As a solitary I'm, tear rolls down Roger's uh, cheek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm more disappointed because I did. I feel I contributed some really good insight into that you chat, did, and no, nobody will ever hear it again. I heard. I'm gonna, it. I, I will vouch for you when people. Yeah. People. That'd be weird if people asked, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it'll, it'll be. Shake it yeah. off. You're, you know, you're. Uh, you know, you've taken a heavy knot. Run it off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, go to our new website, uh, rtrpod.com. Uh, we are rtr underscore pod on Twitter. Um, our email address for any questions, which we do encourage. I mean, send them anytime. Don't wait for us to ask you for them. Just if like you sat there on the toilet at work one day and you you're wondering for something to do, just send us a question. That's to be honest, I think that's most of the time when Jack texts us. That's what he's doing, um, and that's no joke about his current illness. Um, He's, he's, um, Stop! No, 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 no. Um, no, what I was going to say is not. Please do send us, um, send us questions because we we do like to to try and get through as many of them as possible. Um, Seb, what should should they follow you on Twitter or shouldn't they bother? No, nah, don't bother. Yeah, no, I, no, I was going to say I've that. Got all the Twitter followers I need. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Cocky cunt. Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Big Time. No, no, just I, I'm not a big. You're you're a blue tick away from leaving the podcast. No, the, the blue tick will always evade me. I expect. Okay. Not when they find out. If you change your name to the Prince of Bath, then I think it. they will. Yeah, then uh, they'll they'll have no choice but to to do it. They'll probably actually hand you the Twitter account at the Prince of Bath. But um, hopefully we'll 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 be back next Tuesday. Um. Yeah, next Tuesday we should all be back. Hopefully, I'll I'll be free then. Uh, you'll be free. You've got nothing better to do with your Tuesday evenings. Nah, I mean, I've got no friends. No one talks to me. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I, I can literally record every night of the week. Sadly. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll see you then. Then. Ta-da. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.